Chapter 2 Quantico, Virginia 8-11 a.m. December 4th Cal Stokes waited as his host finished the phone call. The former Marine Staff Sergeant didn't wait on many people. He was the silent owner of Stokes Security International, SSI, a company founded by his now-deceased father. SSI assigned expert former military operators to corporations and governments all over the world, and they raked in millions every year. He was now the de facto leader of the Jefferson Group. In the public eye, the Jefferson Group was a consultancy that provided a wide range of expertise ranging from network stability to personal security. Their real mission was only known to a handful of people. Sanctioned by the President of the United States, Brandon Zimmer, the warriors of the Jefferson Group operated out of Charlottesville, Virginia, executing secret missions in the states and overseas. In short, they were President Zimmer's black asset, untraceable and highly effective. The Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Scott Winfield, hung up the phone and exhaled. Anything new, sir? asked Cal. The Assistant Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Douglas Elwood, had disappeared while on vacation two days before. Search parties were combing Lake Buena Vista, led by local NCIS agents. General Winfield nodded. They found him. He's dead. Another slow nod. It looks like suicide. Cal's stomach turned. He'd recommended that General Elwood not be allowed to go to Florida, but the Commandant overruled him. One of those unwritten rules between comrades. You were right, said Winfield. The normally upright warrior looked deflated, his face drawn. You had no idea that he would do that, sir. I should have. You did. Cal didn't reply. Nearly a month earlier, at the Marine Corps birthday ball held at Marine Barracks, 8th and I, General Winfield and his good friend General McMillan, USMC, who also happened to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, informed Cal of a new threat to the Marine Corps. The punchline from Winfield had been simple. We believe that come this time next year, there will no longer be a United States Marine Corps. At first, Cal blamed the booze. The two generals had been at the sauce for hours. But as they outlined the situation and asked for his assistance, he couldn't help but believe them. The Marine Corps had faced disbanding in the past, most recently in the early twentieth century, but World War II and the raising of the flag on Mount Suribachi had changed that. In fact, it was James Forrestal, the Secretary of the Navy, who'd said in 1945, the raising of that flag on Suribachi means a Marine Corps for the next five hundred years. Apparently not. It had been the assistant commandant of the Marine Corps himself who'd brought the danger to Winfield's attention. 
Incredibly, General Elwood confessed to being an unwitting participant in the plot to slash the Marine Corps out of existence. Now on loan to the Commandant with the blessing of the President, Cal had pressed for an in-depth investigation. General Winfield preferred a more cautious approach, saying, If General Elwood was part of this, he will be held accountable. I don't want to ruin his career if we don't have to. Cal almost lost his patience at that point, replying, With respect, sir, the general has already admitted his guilt. Whether he knew what he was doing or not doesn't change a thing. You brought me in to help, to take action. I recommend you let me and my team do what we do best. Now their key witness was dead. Cal didn't have to tell the Commandant how much time they'd lost. General Winfield knew.